that. Uh, good to see you. Uh, good to see you. Um, if we could turn to Psalms, Psalms, uh, Psalms one. Psalms one. Just want to also say in your prayers, if we could keep in prayer, uh, young Timmy. He's not feeling too well at all, and so um, yeah, if we could just keep him in prayer as well. Psalms one. One of the things about one of the things about the faith is there are a lot of assumptions. And one of the assumptions is is that there's things that there's things that God don't just deal with that you've got we've got to work it out ourselves and the Bible's not appropriate and the Bible's old-fashioned and the Bible's not really up to date with where we're at today and the Bible's not it's not relevant and that's an assumption many times without evidence because the Holy Spirit who has inspired the Word of God he generally, generally wants to help us out in every category of life. The question is, is will we expose ourselves to let him speak to us in every category? This, he covers more than you think he does. And I want to look at that in Psalms chapter 1. Let's just pray. Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for attentiveness. I come against, God, every work of the enemy. I come against every, God, obstruction, every spirit of heaviness, every distraction, Lord God. We pray for your life. We pray for your vitality, Lord. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Praise God. I want to look at a subject which I have to admit, I was very inspired by... Um, uh, Bobby, not to embarrass her, but she actually spoke about the subject at Women of Able, and that is friendship. Because every single one of us, none of us are an island. We all need friends. There are those who would sort of like say, I've just got myself, but there are those who just have themselves who are very sometimes close to depression. Because they just isolate themselves. We need relationship. It's part of being a human being. But the question is posed, how do we make a choice about relationships? All of us. David's got to speak about that in the first chapter of Psalms. Let's read. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. 
But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does he shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Here David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, speaking about relationships. The question is posed, David, why would you speak about such a benign topic? Why don't you go for something a lot more, how you might say, profound? Why don't you speak about the coming of Christ that is going to unveil itself in the New Testament or some type of real deep divine prophecy or give us a deep mystery, David. Why friendships? Because if you don't get this right, you won't get the apocalypse, as the Greeks would say, the revelation about Christ because it will be stifled. It was in the New Testament where it says, bad company corrupts good character. You can have a good character. You could be going in the right places. You could have a good mentality. But as Winston Churchill said, he said, attitude is a little thing that has great impact. And the relationship has the ability to contort that attitude. In the first verse, it speaks about the ungodly. It speaks about, do not go in the way of the ungodly. It speaks about, he who walks in the counsel of the ungodly. David is articulating that be very wise the way you walk. Because in our text, there are three individuals David will speak about. He speaks about the ungodly, he speaks about the sinner, and then he speaks about the scornful. All three are separate people with separate personalities. Now what have they all got in common? What they've all got in common is they all have a way. Meaning, the godly has a way. A way of what? A way of counsel. The sinner has a way. The sinner has a way and the way he goes is a sinful way. But then so does the last person who is the scornful. He has his way and his way is a seat. But as we look at the ungodly, what is the ungodly? The ungodly is a person who doesn't really have a heart for the things of God. It says that, but the thing with the ungodly is this. The ungodly is on a process. So the ungodly is a person who will first start off by 
Go in the way of just not being concerned about God. It doesn't say that he is proactively a wicked person. No, it just says he's ungodly or she's ungodly. Meaning they haven't got the appetites or the drive or the motivation for spiritual things. So first they start off very practically. They just walk in the path of sin. You see, the thing about sin, what the Bible preaches about or speaks about is, sin does have a way. The wisest man who has ever lived on the face of planet earth was called Solomon. Solomon said that there is a way that seems right to a man, but that way will lead to death. Sin has a way. Jesus speaks about the way in Matthew 7. Jesus says that there are two roads. There are two roads. There is a road that is broad. There is a road that is large. There is a road that is wide. And that road has a way. That road has a route. That road is going somewhere. Then Jesus makes a confirmation and a radical statement. He says, many go along that road. But then there's another road. That road is narrow. That road is not big. That road is a small road. That road is kind of like withdrawn. It's it's narrow path. Whoever goes on that road, it leads to a very good place. It leads to paradise. It leads to heaven. It leads to eternal life. And Jesus says, every man and woman will make a choice in the way they go. Every man and woman will make a choice in the path they choose. Every man and woman, before they die, will choose the road they want to walk on. And Jesus says that the sad thing is, the heartbreaking thing is, the thing that I have to deal with in the afterlife is that many and the majority go on the broad road that leads to destruction. In our text, it says the ungodly goes on the road. He goes on the road practically of the path of sin, but then something happens to him. That's the first stage. But the second stage is this. When we choose a path, a negative path, we walk on it because it's practical. We walk on it because it might help us in our situation. You know, there are some people who do illegal things, not because they want to, but because they're stuck in a tight corner. They need a way of escape. And by doing the illegal, they can find an escape. But that's only the first stage. The second stage about our person in verse 1 is, now they get habituated with the evil. What does that mean? They get used to it. They get conditioned to it. Now they're not doing it with active, proactive choices. They're not doing it where they're rationally thinking it through and thinking, how do I need to get out of this predicament? No, it's automatic. You think about the young man who's addicted to something he does not want to be addicted to. I've got a book, it's called The Demise of Guys. In this book, it's a, it's a real, it's a bit of an eye-opener, because as you read it, you're dealing with two sets of things. You're dealing with one set where, okay, you're dealing with young guys who are addicted to porn, okay. But on the other side, you're dealing with guys who are addicted to gaming. There were stories of one guy in Japan where... Um, he was such a serious gamer that what happens, and what happens with a lot of youngsters, the parent has to leave the food outside their bedroom. 
because they've got no time to come downstairs and eat the food. Because there's an addiction there. It's not just about, I choose this to kind of alleviate the pressure of life. There's an addiction there. But addiction got so bad that there were cases in Japan where actually a young man did actually pass away and die. Because he just wouldn't eat. He was so engulfed in this game that he would not take a break. See, what happened was he was now habituated, conditioned that he cannot come out of this tunnel of where he's going through. And that's what happens in verse 1 with the ungodly man. The first stage is this. He goes the path because of practicality. The second stage is this. He now is addicted, conditioned to the path. And the third stage is this. The third stage is not only are they on this path, but now they become a doctor on this path. They become a doctor of teaching about how to go on this path. They get a degree in vice. They get a PhD in deception. Because now what they do in our text, David says, listen, it's not about the man just being ungodly. It's not about the woman just being ungodly. Listen to what verse 1 says. It says, do not go with the ungodly with their counsel. The ungodly are like this. They're skilled in giving advice. They don't just keep their ungodliness to them. No, they will have you sit down and they will counsel you and they will teach you and they will instruct you and they will give you advice in how to do what they're doing and they will say don't worry about the things of God don't worry about spiritual things don't worry about God eternity heaven and hell don't worry about the afterlife just be the best person you can be a moral person be a good person live the life you can live it's almost like the Greek poet or the Roman poet who was called Horace he said seize the day and put no trust in tomorrow just live for today live for today and that's the counsel of the ungodly person and David says don't go by them don't sit down with them don't take their advice where they try to pass off spiritual things no do not go the road of the ungodly so David as he speaks about this, he says, the man who does not go on the path or does not walk in this council, he says, they are blessed. Who does not go the path. But then the second part of that is it says, do not go the way of the sinner. Ladies and gentlemen, the ungodly has a counsel. The sinner has a way. The scornful has a seat. The sinner is a person. The ungodly gives advice. The sinner would direct you somewhere. 
There's a saying, sin will take you further than you want to go. And the thing with sin is, it will always take you away from Christ. What David is speaking about here is not perfection. What what he's speaking about is a blessedness. The blessedness is something that derives from God. God has got a modus operandi in how to bless his people. God has got a plan in how to bless marriages. God has got a plan in how to bless relationships. God has got a plan in how to bless children. And what he says to David is, he says, look, this is a predicament, the sinner's way. Look, you've got the scornful, the scornful and the sinner. They're both going in places and they're sitting in places that you don't want to be if you want the blessing. So now David counteracts all of it. And he counteracts it with verse 2. He says the blessed man delights. He delights in the law of the Lord. The blessed man, the blessed husband, the blessed young man, older man, the blessed mother, they give themselves, they delight in the law of the Lord. Because David understands In order to escape some of these traps, we need light. Why? Because verse 1, when it speaks about the way of the sinner, in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, Isaiah 1 says, the whole nation of Israel is sick. It's like a corrupt body. It's sick from its head down to its feet. And the very sad thing about Israel is they don't even know they're sick. And because they don't know they're sick, they won't seek healing. It's only the person who knows a storm is coming who would run to the shelter. When God says in these last days, he's going to shake the earth, all of those who put their trust in the earth, all of those who put their trust in the supports and in the backup and in the comforts of the earth, they are the ones who will be most shaken because what God cannot shake out of us, he makes us frightened of and he shakes to say, don't put your trust in these things. When David spoke about, Lord, God does not want us to trust in chariots and horses. What he was saying is, he's not saying we can't have chariots and horses, but don't depend upon them. Put your trust in him, God. He is our comfort. He is our portion. He is the way. And he tells David, David, use wisdom. Use skill. Avoid the ungodly man. Avoid his path. Avoid the way of the sinner. And do not sit down with the scornful. See, the sinner's always moving. The sinner's always looking to take you somewhere. I remember when you go around your friend's house and the mum would say, do you know where are you guys going? 
And there was always one of us in the group that a pet, one of the parents did not like. And the reason why the parent did not like, because they felt that person was a bad influence. I remember growing up in Camberwell, there was... Um, we, there, was, I was, I was, there was a group of us, I and mean, I was the youngest in the group, and was, the oldest guy was called Omar. And so um, we, went, we went to East Lane, or yeah, East Street. And so East Street Market's up there, and basically, you know, I'm, I'm about seven or eight years old or so, maybe younger. And so there's a group of us, and we got older boys, Omar's about... 14 or so and so there's a bunch of us youngsters and so we're on Wall Street and um, basically we're robbing we're just robbing in the shops we're going to shops stealing 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 and so Omar the older guy sort of pulling the shots he's sort of like coordinating things the problem is I got caught and as I got caught all my friends have run away and I remember the shop owner when he caught me he made me stand in the corner so I'm standing there I'm standing in, in you know, a shop in East Street, and I have no idea what's going to happen. None of my friends have come back for me, and even if they could, they're kids. I mean, nine years old, ten, year, ten years old, the older boys are, you know, they're not coming back for me. I'm stuffed. And so I, I recall eventually, eventually I was released. They let me go um, without police and all that sort of stuff. When I got home, I've, I've never, to this day, liaised with so many licks from my mother. Because what transpired was my brother saw what happened. He wasn't with us, but he, he saw it. And so he told my mum. And I've just, when it comes to pain, I don't know if I've ever come close to this day. I remember every maneuver, every stroke, every silhouette. I remember every... Rea I, I, I've, I've had fights in secondary school. Nothing compares to that. But the issue, and the deeper issue for my mum was, who took you that way? Who took you that... And them time, you know, mum's a single mum. She can't be at home. Or she's working a few jobs at the same time. So... I'm vulnerable. And it's an argument, where's my brother, and you know, he should be, but, you know, Omar. Omar was a slick guy. And so the dilemma is, who took you that way? This is what the Holy Spirit is saying to David. David, in relationships, you better be aware, and you better be cognizant. And you better be clued up that there are going to be people who are going to try to take you away. They're going to try to take you in a route that will be detrimental. When I was in Leeds, I was working in a call centre when I was pioneering up there. One of the things that always, always made me sad when I was up there, and early times of marriage, because obviously I've got saved, I'm married now, and it's like, you know, come here. But the thing is, I still had, there were still friends I had in the world, you know, who I knew. And I, when I got up to Leeds, there'll be guys I kind of like got to know there, you play football with. And I'm in the call centre, and one of the things that would just make you sad is they'll speak, they'll be in a relationship relationship with a girl they'll have girlfriends they'll say they love the girl this is my serious girlfriend some of them would even be married and they will openly speak about their extracurriculum relationships they're having 
They will speak about the relationship with other girls and other women. But this is my baby mother. This is the one I care about most. However, I still got other things. And it was particularly crushing when the man was married. But many times when you speak to those men, there was always someone, a friend they had, who took them that way. It was, it was never really always them. There was someone in their life who took them that way. And what's very sad is when the whole thing blows up, the friend is not there to pick up the pieces. The friend is not there to support and say, this is how you get back your girlfriend or this is how you get back your wife. I remember one guy it happened to, all the friends said is, all right, you know what, in order to get over it, let's go raving. The Holy Spirit says to David, do not go in that sinner's way. But God, how do I counteract it? How do I know the right way to go? And he says in verse 2, verse 2 is the answer. Delight in the law of the Lord. Delight in the word of God. Delight. Make the word of God your best friend. Make it your right hand man. Delight in it. He's not speaking about the condemnation of the law and those who are under the law. He's speaking about someone with an affection for the law. Someone with a passion for the law. A husband who loves the law. That he's studying the word of God to see how can I be a better husband? How can I be a better father? How can I be a better friend? How can I be better in the kingdom of God? And they're searching the scripture because he loves the law. He meditates upon the law day and he meditates upon it in the night. He meditates on it during the day to give himself to it. And in the night that when his master will come, that the master will see that he's not an idle servant as he comes like a thief in the night. He gives himself to it. Gentlemen, it is not enough to say, well, I don't listen or I don't go to the paths of the ungodly. It's not enough to say that I don't go the way of the sinner. It's not enough to say that I do not go or sit down with the scornful. No, it's not about what you're not doing. Verse 2 says, what are you doing? And he says to David, it's not about what you abstain from. It's what about you give yourself to delight in the law see the problem with the scornful is this the scornful is the worst out of the three you see the ungodly they will sit down and they will just you know take my advice you know this is no disrespect but this is what happens to a lot of women they sit down with someone who's not even married you know, just some, some, you know, some bitter auntie or someone, men of this, men of that, men of this, men of that, men of this, marriage don't work, men of this. And they sit down with the young girl and they're giving them advice, giving them advice, and just pouring all this venom into this young woman. Not good. Then you've got the friends got to take you away. But the thing with the scornful is, they're not even walking. Right? They're not walking. They're not even going on a path. Look in the text. The text says they sit down. I mean, when you sit, 
That is, sitting is the biblical symbolic word for teaching. What did Jesus say about the Pharisees? They sit in the seat of Moses and they teach you. That's what the scornful person does. The scornful person will sit you down and they will teach you. And they will teach you the negativity of serving Christ. They will teach you about the disadvantages of marriage. When I got married, there were all these uncles popping up, aren't they? Marriage don't work, marriage don't work, marriage don't work. And they were basing it off their marriage, but they're sitting me down. They're talking to me as if they want to help me. And I'm sitting down with their scorn and their negativity and all of this kind of, how you might say, this, this kind of a sea of pestilence they were sitting on. And as this venom is pouring out, it's getting onto my skin and now it's starting to attack my vital spiritual organs. Because a scornful person will sit you down and pour negative. And the Holy Spirit says to David, don't sit with them. Brothers, it is up to us to find someone who will edify us in our marriage or edify us in being better fathers or ed and sisters. It is up to you to choose friends who will speak positively. Every single one of us, every one of us, we will go through dark times in marriages. Because marriages is about seasons. But here's the question, sisters. Who do you go to at those dark times? Do you go to someone who's just going to compound the issue and continue the negativity about, or do you go to someone who says, you know what, there's hope. You know what, this could turn around. You know what, take my hand and let us pray. You know what, let us delight in the word of the Lord. Do you know what, those children, your child is going to be okay. You know what, who is it? I don't know if it was, um, I think I was speaking to Claudia, and she told me about, there was, she heard something, um, and one man said that, why is it with this COVID virus that, there are individuals who wake up every single day and all they are looking at and analyzing is the death toll. Right? Every day. And, and this guy, he was a preacher, and he asked the question, why? Why would you do that? Why would you only focus on death on a daily basis? Just counting up, counting up. How many people have died? 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 And it's like, what about focusing on life? What about focusing on, okay, because as Jesus said, why worry about tomorrow for um, tomorrow has problems of its own. We are totally aware negative stuff is going, you know, people are totally aware. But why focus on just that and not those who have made, I mean, the thousands upon thousands of those, I would even say millions of those who have had COVID and they've recovered. Why not focus on that? It reminds me, you know, it's just like, again, we have got some beautiful new children, um, new children or new babies here. And we're always going to. And, you know, one, one of the things that 
mothers encourage one another is that there'll always be <laughs> someone's like, well, you know what, let's go, go be realistic. And they give you a worst case scenario of what can happen to your baby. A worst case, I mean, mathematically, in terms of probability, it's very unlikely, but they'll fix the mother on this negative issue that could happen with the, and what happens is anxiety and worry. Whereas the Holy Spirit says, find a friend. Find someone who delights in the law. Why in the law? Because when you delight in the law, who do, what does the law speak about? The law speaks about life. The law speaks about life. See your child? Do you know what? Listen to me. I speak life for your child. I speak blessing. Your child should be the head and not the tail. Your child should be blessed in their going out and their coming in. When I talk to you, I speak life. I speak vitality. Because that's what happens when David said, meditate upon the word of God. Meditate upon the law. What is meditating? Meditating literally involves chattering. It involves speaking. It involves disputing. So David is told by the Holy Spirit, get the word of God and speak on that. Analyze that. Discuss that. As you do that, you become blessed. And then David says, not only will I become blessed, but also I will be like a leaf that will not wither. I will be like an evergreen leaf. I will be like a leaf, like a tree planted by the waterside with many rivers. Because if one river gets cut out, there's another river to encourage me. If a one river gets blocked, there's another river in order to inspire me. If one of the river gets poisoned, there's another river to revitalize me. Because when I'm planted by the word of God and I meditate upon that and I speak about that and I go on that then my vitality because of the rivers of life because Jesus Christ is the water of life and he's the bread of life and he's in that scripture and he gives us the wisdom through the word of God not to go by the path of the ungodly not to go the way of the sinner and not to sit down with all the cynicism and the negativity that comes from the scorner Speaks about in four, chapter verse 4 and verse 5. Speaks about the character of these men and these women. He said they're like chaff. Chaff is like tumbleweed. Chaff is something light. It just, it, chaff is something that is blown away by the wind. The Holy Spirit says that is what the ungodly, the sinner, and the scornful person is like. What does that mean? That's a very deep, deep, that's a deep analogy. That literally means is they're accursed. Why? What is the Hebrew word for curse? It is the word light. When, when someone's under a curse, all that means is they're treated lightly. Meaning that when you pray, the word for glory is kabode in the Hebrew. In the Greek, it is doxa. What does that mean? If you are in Christ, there's a sense of glory on you, right? You are, and that word glory, the root word is heaviness. Meaning, 
When God is interacting with planet Earth, those who are under his wrath, he treats them lightly. What does that mean? They pray to him. He's like, I don't know who you're talking to. Right? No, I know God. I know God. Me and God are tight. Me and God are tight. And God's just not listening to a word they say. He treats them trivially. They're light. In, um, what's it? Look in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 2, where it says that Israel and Judah are under ruin. They are being attacked by the Chaldeans. And because they're being attacked, what do they do like most people do? They go to the temple and they make sacrifices. And God responds, why are you bringing me sacrifices? Why are you bringing me bulls? Why are you bringing me goats? Why are you bringing me blood? It's not genuine. I want no part of it. Because God was saying, you're only bringing those to me that you can carry on sinning. You don't want to stop what you're doing. You just want me to allow you to keep doing it and take off the consequences that you have unleashed. I'm not going to accept it. Because that is what a curse means. You are treated lightly, but his people... Are weighty. This is why it says, He says to his angels in the last days, Do not touch none of those who have the mark on their forehead. Why? Because they're glorious, they're weighty to me. What do you mean? They're my people. They will not be treated like other people. What about the sheep and the goats? You could do, you know, the, the goats, they're trivial. The goats, they'll be cast out into darkness. The goats, they're lost. But when it comes to the sheep, they're weighty. They're very weighty. What does Jesus say to Peter? Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? <sighs> you know I love you, Lord. Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Okay, I'm, I'm finding this offensive now. I've told you I love you. You know I love you. Okay, if you love me, then feed what is weighty to me. The kabode, glorious Serve my sheep. Because it's weighty. If you're in Christ, you've got the blood of Christ, you're weighty. But David says, let me tell you about the ungodly, the scorner, and the sinner. They're light. They're like chaff. Wind comes, they just blow away. When, and when they blow away and die, no one remembers. And if they remember them, they only remember with the stench that they caused upon. Uh, the difference between... The righteous and the unrighteous, the blessed and the unblessed is this. The blessed will carve their name in stone monuments. They will be remembered. The wicked, the scornful, the sinner, they will carve their name in sand. And that gets blown away. When they are trying to make a harvest, they're furrowing, they're plowing, they plow in the sea. And though the sea will look shiny after them, there will come waves just to rush it all out again. They're not remembered by heaven and they're remembered negative, with negative connotations by earth. So the Holy Spirit says to David, David, be wise. Be very wise who you sit with. Be very wise the way you go. Be very wise that the ungodly are not advising you. 
Meditation. Meditation is like. Meditation is the touchstone for the Christian. It tells you what type of metal the Christian is. It's the same thing like an index of a book. The index of a book would tell you what is inside the book. The meditation of the heart on the law would tell you the type of heart inside that Christian. Why did the Holy Spirit just not say, don't hang around with the ungodly, don't listen to their advice, don't go the way of the sinner, and don't do or sit down with the scornful. Why not leave it there? Because David could say that. But that's not an answer. The answer is not in what you're not doing. How do we know that? What did Jesus say? Jesus says, when a man is inhabited by spirits, evil spirits, and those evil spirits get cast out, it says the evil spirit, once being cast out, goes through arid places. It goes through a wilderness. It's looking, where can I make my home again? Then the evil spirit comes to a point and says, you know what? I'm going to go back to the person I used to inhabit. The evil spirit goes back to the person who he used to be inside and he looks at the person and it says, Jesus says, the person they used to be inside is empty. And that evil spirit says, okay, I'm going to now get seven demons worse than me and we're going back in there. Why? Because it's not about what you're not doing, it's about what you're giving yourself to. This is why David said, the light, the light is not about abstaining. What are we giving our hearts to? In our spare time, what are we giving our hearts to? Can you hear the voice of the word of God crying out and say, read me, understand me, meditate upon me. Let me guide you. Let me move upon you. Let me change your appetites. Let me, let me convict your conscience. Let me convince your conscience. Let me enlighten your mind. Let me enlighten your house. Come and I will direct you. As we finish, the light chaff. When David makes this comment, in verse 6, he says, speaks about the congregation. David's a realist. In his text, Verse 2, when it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in season, whose leaves shall not also wither, but, and, and it says, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The reality is this. The wheat and the tares grow together. The wheat and the tares are not separated. You can have the scornful, the sinner, and you can have the ungodly also with the, the blessed. That's the way it goes. That's what the Bible says. You'll find diamonds in the same field as the pebbles. So how do you differentiate? David says, I tell you how we differentiate. If you want your word to be everlasting, even when your word is faint, 
If you want to be that evergreen leaf, that evergreen leaf that brings fruit, that evergreen leaf that not only produces fruit, and not only does the fruit not die, listen to what David says. He says even the leaf won't die. And the problem with the way of the sinner and the way of the ungodly and the way of the scornful, listen to this, is David says it's not only them who are destroyed. David says it's their way that's also destroyed. This is why I was saying the Old Testament and the New Testament, come out of Babylon. Why? Because Babylon's going down. It says, come into the kingdom. The bride and the spirit say, come. The safest place to be is within delighting in the word and delighting in those who also love the word. The question is, why don't, why don't God just accept everyone? The thing is, with, with heaven, he heaven will be as intolerable to the sinner as a fish would be hanging on a tree. They don't want to go there. They don't have the fruits. I mean, it's like, uh, do you know, I make the perfect parallel. It's like, people, no, no, you know, everyone's different, but people don't like, I've met people who like, I don't like worship. I don't like worship. So they won't sing, right? And it's weird because it's like, you're not singing because you like it. You're singing to God, creator. You're singing to Alpha Omega, who means more than you and your own personal idiosyncrasy. It's got nothing to do with you. You're giving glory to it. But the question is, no problem. If you don't like worship, why do you want to go heaven? Because in heaven, that's what everyone's doing. They're worshipping, and angels are worshipping. I mean, seriously, imagine if an angel's coming, you know, rolls up to you in heaven. It's like, hey, you right? Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, so why are you here? Like, you seem like the odd one now. We're all singing to him who sits on the throne. And you're just sort of like, you're looking not happy. I, I don't want to offend you, but why are you in heaven? Why are you? It's weird. And this is what David's saying. David's saying, heaven is not a good place unless the law it's inhabiting your heart and the passions and the desires and the motives and the spirit. So as we finish, David says, the Holy Spirit is very practical. It's very, very, very practical. There's a way that's coming to all of us. And I am a culprit. I remember I went that way and I backslid for an, a period of time. I went the way of a sinner. I just went, hey, is this what you guys did? All right, let me follow you. And I just went away from the faith into carnival. Are you feeling hot, hot, hot? And it was just a mess. And by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit, you know, was able to get us back. But ladies and gentlemen, the way and the path is not just about us anymore. We've got children. There's a, there's, there's a thing what was said is that our compromises will be our children's convictions. Sometimes who we sit down with, it's not only us who are listening, it's our children, and they could go that way. But if we delight them 
in the law of the Lord. You know, with the Berean movement, one of the things is, I mean, we are done, we're over, well, you know. I told, James came up to me and he said that, do you know what, I want to do Bible study, I want to do Bible study, I want to do Bible study, and I, you know, this time, you know, we've got a lot on and I said, okay, so like, all right, no worries, we're doing it. So we're doing it through COVID and, you know, and one of the things I said to him, he said, like, James, if you do it, know this, I am not attending. This is you, JD, Michael, and 20 other Michaels we've got, I mean, Lee Edwards, right? You guys, it's down to you. Don't expect me to turn, I'm not, I mean, even, I'm not attending. But something happened. And what happened was, as we're doing the whole Berean movement and we're, we're breaking our scripture, something happened in me. And it wasn't conviction. We would, for example, we'd done Sola Scriptura. I remember we'd done it on Peter. And I was like, as we're doing it, do you know what we were doing, church? We were doing what the biblical interpretation calls meditating. It's, meditating is not just sort of like, you know, being like a monk and just making all these sort of like, mm, that's not meditating. Meditating is when you speak over scripture, talking about it and, and, and discussing it and throwing it. As we were doing that, something was happening to you. Like, I was like, I'm actually loving this. I'm actually growing in this. So then... Bible studies on, and it was only a pride. I wouldn't attend. I'm dying to attend. Dying. Because they're doing, because I want more of it, right? I'm delighting it. I actually, for my own well-being, my own spirit, I, I want to gorge in it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm knackered. I'm tired afterward, just like many of you. But as soon as I hear about verse detonation and going in, into the scripture, my strength is almost renewed. And that's what David's speaking of. Delight in that. It's not just abstaining. Delight in that. And that is the way. Can you say amen? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. As we're here this morning...